How did we get here? I mean, I guess our parents had... They loved each other very much. Mm-hmm. They had their special moment. Little fancy dance? Fancy dance. One of the sperms won the race. Mm-hmm. Met the egg. Nine months of gestation. And, you know, you plopped out. I guess in your case it was seven months. I can only imagine it was nine months in my case, but I mean, we don't really have doctors and periodic checkups, so who knows how long it took me. Paisanos, I'm Ben. What is Paisanos? It's friend. What language? Italian. Like the hero or the meatballs. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. Italian. Why don't they call it Leaning Tower of Pizza? Because, I mean, that's Italian. I think the tower was erected before pizza was invented. Hmm. You know what was erected before that tower? Homo? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Should we just start over? (laughs) (laughs) I'll just cut it out. Okay. Hey, Paisanos. I'm Ben. I'm Prashanta. And we are two peas. In a podcast. And, Ben, what does Paisanos mean? It means friend in Italian, I believe. And how about in Spanish? Amigo. And in Nepali? Sati. Oh, no way! (laughs) High five! There you go. (laughs) I wasn't expecting you to get it. (laughs) You still have your Nepali after, what, three years? It's deep in the recesses of my brain. How many years has it been? I went in 2011. Holy cow! I know. Five years. Wow. Time flies like an arrow. Fruit flies like a banana? <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like a banana? Uh, Our mutual friend John, he doesn't like bananas. That's true, huh? Yeah. He's weird. And he's a father. I guess as a father, you can't dislike broccoli, but I guess you're allowed to get away with bananas. If you have them around the house, you just don't point out the fact that you don't eat them. I think it's okay. Mm, Right. You just have to pretend that they exist. And that you've already eaten them before the kids woke up. Exactly. Where do you put the peels, they might ask? Oh, I bury them. (laughs) (laughs) So we had announced uh, on a couple of podcasts ago that we have some runs coming up. We're doing the run for women. How How is your training going? You said that you were going to train for it. Uh, so far, I've gone for a run twice. Mm-hmm. Each about half a kilometer long. Okay. Right? 500 meters. Times two. Okay. So you're running 5,000 meters. Yeah. Yeah. And you've run 1,000. So far. And I ran about um, 300 meters today on the way here. So these half-kilometer stints, did you do them over the course of a day or a week or...? Uh, a week or so, yeah. So you ran two half-Ks a week? Yeah. Were they fast half-Ks? Uh, well, I mean, I think they were, they were faster than what I'll be doing my 5K in, but, I mean, not sprinting fast. But after 500 meters, I, I was pretty tired. I can imagine what that's like. And, uh, you know, with the, with the recent belly that I have packed... Carry more weight, you know, so... You're growing into your dad bod. Except my dad is extremely slim. Not your dad's bod. Your dad bod. So I'm becoming an average dad. Yeah, you just need to have some kids. The average dad has at least one. 
1.6 in Canada, and about 2.2 around the world. There you go. No, 2.5 around the world. Are you going to be uh, a man from Canada or a man of the world? Um, two is a good number, but I think if I was to deviate from the two, I would more likely go to three than to one. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. What about you? How many uh, kids are you planning on having? I think two is a nice round number, but I'd lean more towards one than three. Mm. You know, have fewer gray hairs over periods of time. What do you mean? Meaning it's a lot less stressful to care for one child than three. Um, to a point, right? I mean, I think um, if you have just one child who is seven years old, you're constantly thinking about how you need to entertain them and, you know, how they're going to find friends, you know, where they can go and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. If you have three kids almost the same age, they can play with each other. There's a marginal increase in, in stress levels and everything that you need to do to support your child. Eventually More bang for the buck, so to speak. <laughs> Eventually they can just start taking care of each other. Yeah. You can sit back and relax. Exactly. Enjoy a beer on the porch. That's what I plan to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think I'm ready for this race. Yeah, I need to run a few more times. I do know that how much I've run is not enough. Mm-hmm. But I, I know that I, uh, I I think you can train quite a bit in you know, just a few days. You can build up the stamina. For a 5k? Yeah. Given that you're generally healthy mm-hmm. and you've done this before, mm-hmm. I, I have full confidence in you. I am still planning on doing it in less than 30 minutes. Yes. Well, I'll see if I can beat your time. I'm sure you will beat my time. I'll see if I can uh, be within two minutes of you. That'll be my goal. Oh, that'll be easy. It won't be easy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. All right. Should we level up? Let's level up. So, my friend, how have you leveled up since we last spoke? All right, well, speaking of leveling up, I've been standing up a lot more lately. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Do you have a fancy smartwatch that tells you every hour, oh, you need to stand up? Even better, my friend. Oh, yeah? So I have a standing desk at work. I can raise it, stand up to work, lower it, sit down to work. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really cool. And I asked my boss for it, and after a few months, he relented. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's good because it uh, prevents me from slouching, which is, of course, the problem when you're sitting down and working on a computer. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have a back support, then, you know, it's easy to slouch. And if you're concentrating, then move your head forward, which is really bad for the body because, you know, first of all, your bones are doing a lot of the work rather than your muscles. Right. Because your muscles are relaxed. Mm-hmm. And... You have incorrect posture, so some muscles get pulled, some muscles get compressed, and over time, your body just naturally becomes that shape, mm-hmm. which puts strain on the bones, muscles, and they start to knot, and you start to feel pain, you know, you don't sleep enough, and you don't perform well, because you haven't been sleeping enough. It just, you know, all catches up to you. Never-ending cycle. Never-ending cycle. Now that I've been standing up more, my, my heels hurt a lot more. <laughs> My back hurts a lot less, but my heels don't affect my sleep. Right. So, this is great. They could affect your running performance. I actually think they'll help because, I mean, I think I might develop some calluses, which might help to soften the blow. Okay. I've read a lot about how um, desks that allow you to stand are really good for you. Mm -hmm. We talk about them every now and then at work as well, about getting them, but I work in this big organization with, Mm. like, 10,000 employees, Mm. right? 
These desks are six hundred dollars each. So, yeah. Yeah. Multiply by six hundred, ten thousand. Yeah. Granted, not all these people have office jobs, right? Right. A lot of them are standing, right. moving all day, right? Right. But the people who do sit at the desks, the sort of official stance that my organization has mm-hmm. is that yeah, there's some research into how a standing desk affects your performance and your health, mm-hmm. but you can achieve a lot of those benefits just by getting up like a few minutes every hour, moving around, right. that negates a lot of the effects of sitting all day, mm-hmm. right? So they encourage people just to do that instead of buying the, the sit-to-stand desks because they are expensive. They're expensive. You know, if they break, you need to repair them, replace them, and they're not suitable in every environment, mm-hmm. right? With the stand-up desks, uh, another thing I've been doing is replacing my shoes. Mm-hmm. So I have, uh, you know, I have uh, two pairs of shoes, right? So... After a couple of hours on one pair of shoes, I'll switch them, and then now I have a slightly different feel. Right. So, uh, yeah, I've been a lot more conscious. Well, that's good. With the whole ergonomics of sitting down, you are supposed to adjust yourself throughout the day. So you're not in the the same position. And I think that's really the main benefit of standing up, main being that you can't slouch. The second most important benefit of standing up is that your heels start to hurt a little bit after a while, Mm -hmm. and you naturally move, and Mm -hmm. it's easy to move. And you just lift one leg, you lift another leg. Your muscles just naturally end up having to work just because you're on one leg a mm-hmm. few seconds every minute, right? That makes sense. It's, it's really godsend, you know? Mm-hmm. I think at home, if I used my computer more for writing, like if I were more into a writing scene or a design scene than I am now, I might invest in, in a sit-to-stand station, like the Veridesks or whatever solution that you have, mm-hmm. just because it would be nice to have at home. But I don't tend to sit at my computer for long periods of time. I think my next desk I buy, even for a home, will be a stand-up desk. You don't want to um, compromise on the things that you might spend a few hours on. They say, don't compromise on shoes and your mattress, because you're on them for many hours every day, right? And a good chair. A good chair and good desk is also worth expense. Mm-hmm. Cool, very cool. So Ben, have you leveled up lately? Well, I am a fan of TED, Technology Entertainment Design. Is that what it stands for? That's what it stands for. Ah, okay. So they they run the the TED Talks, the uh, presenters who present, you know, 15, 20-minute ideas. I came across this TED Talk by this woman named Angelica Das, and her presentation was about a project that she sort of stumbled into creating Mm -hmm. that she calls Human Eye. And what it does... Or what she's doing as a photographer, she goes and she photographs people, mm-hmm. like straight on headshots, right. and then finds a small 11 pixel by 11 pixel area of someone's face, mm-hmm. averages the color, mm-hmm. and then paints the background that color. Mm. And what that does is it takes a look at the skin tone. Right. Human eye is a pursuit to highlight our true colors, rather than true white, red, black, or yellow associated with race. It's a kind of game to question our codes. It's a work in progress for a personal story to a global history. She was very inspired by sort of all the colors that were in her life. Right. You know, you can go from extremely dark skin to extremely fair skin, and she had everything in between. Right. But... As a society, we we tend to group people as, oh, they're black, oh, they're white, oh, Mm -hmm. they're, you know. Mm -hmm. 
I think growing up in Brazil, Brazil already has a lot of mixtures. Yes. Right, and so it's easy to have within one family all sorts of different skin tones. Exactly. Right. I think if you had the privilege of growing up in such a family, you wouldn't see them very, very differently. No, every everything is the same to you. Right. There are many societies where you don't even come across many different skin tones, mm-hmm. and so that wouldn't really help you to build that notion that you know we're all the same. Right. But I think you know in uh, today's uh, increasingly globalized world, we we all have friends who are of different backgrounds, different races. We have played with them, we have grown up with them, so I think it's a lot easier now than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Those portraits make us rethink how we see each other. When modern science is questioning the race concept, what does it mean for us to be black, white, yellow, red? Is it the eye, the nose, the mouth, the hair? Or does it have to do with our origin, nationality, or bank account. I realize that human eye was useful for many people. It represents a sort of mirror for those who cannot find themselves reflected in any label. In sort of this culture that we live in here, mm-hmm. like we just have so many people from so many different backgrounds who end up in our communities, who live together, who work together, mm-hmm. who service each other, that it, it, it just becomes, it, it, it's a tapestry. Mm-hmm. Like, I am someone who people might classify as black, mm-hmm. but I've never identified as, oh, I'm a black person. Right. I've never felt like I've come across a barrier because, oh, I'm black. You know, actually, I felt the same way. When I came to Canada, I was in a school that was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. In fact, almost exclusively white. When you came to Canada, you first settled sort of in, in, in the Saskatoon. Yeah. In Saskatoon, and it was, uh, at least in this part of the town, it was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Very, very few immigrants and very, very few people of native backgrounds. And um, I, I didn't really feel out of place because it just never came into the equation. Now, I, I don't know if those kids were especially well-behaved or not. <laughs> I, I don't know how much of a problem it is. But, you know, I, I grew up, you know, going through a few years of elementary school and then high school, really being oblivious to the fact that race is a problem, you know. Uh, or I shouldn't say race is a problem, but race is a source of uh, discrimination mm-hmm. in this world. When we, you and I were going to high school together, right. we had friends of every kind. Right. We did. We truly did. And uh, I think that was a bit of a privilege. And I think I was a little bit lucky in that I didn't have too many Nepali friends growing up because that might have sheltered me. I may may have just stuck to the Nepali kind, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But because I didn't have Nepali friends, I was forced to make friends of other groups. Right. Only when I went to university that I started to notice, hey, wow, there is some difference. You know, people tend to congregate based on race. And I hadn't even noticed it until university, yeah. you know? I don't know if that's just something that you notice because you become an adult, so you're able to notice these things. Right. As a child, it's very easy to just not see it at all. I think some of this um, congregation that people do within their own races is understandable. So, for example, you are a recent immigrant from China. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of international students at Waterloo. Or a recent immigrant from India. You can identify with another one, you know? who has a similar background to you. So it's easy to become friends. Oh, absolutely. Right? It's an easy jumping-off point. Yes. For that, I agree. People like to... It's easy to make friends when you, when you have something in common, and it's 
you know, race and background and culture is one of them, right? For sure. Um, but I was lucky and you were lucky in the fact that we were able to grow up in Ottawa with the type of diversity that we had. Mm-hmm. And, and to not have been affected by it. At least I don't feel like I've been affected by it. The more I hear other people's stories, mm-hmm. even like uh, Angelica's, right. it shows me just how fortunate I've been compared to other places around the world. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Even look at our U.S. counterparts. Like, race right now seems to be a very hot issue. Right. In a way that I thought, growing up and learning about history, right? Mm-hmm. That this was solved in the 60s and 70s. You know? <laughs> I thought right. that was done. <laughs> but apparently not. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. It, it seems like we did progress a lot. I mean, we started off in a very, very rough state in the beginning of the 20th century. So it's not just about the race, right? So in the beginning of the 20th century, women uh, didn't have rights. Mm-hmm. You know, um, gay people were marginalized. People of different races were marginalized. But we made huge strides, uh, you know, in 20th century, mm-hmm. in the early parts, by giving women the right to vote. You know, in the U.S., blacks gave them full civil liberties. But, you know, do you get the sense that we've kind of stalled lately? Because, you know, there hasn't been a significant improvement in the last, say, well, decade or so, or two decades. Lately, I seem to come across a lot of stories and a lot of sort of media about the race divide. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories about, you know, how schools work. And even though, like, in the, in the States, in the South especially, these societies are still segregated. You know, that was a big push to have everyone have access to the same resources. Mm-hmm. That it's still not like that. You still mm-hmm. have, like, black schools and black communities who have fewer resources, whose kids have poorer teachers, tend to have poorer teachers. And, um, you know, you have the chicken and egg problem, right? Right. So if you grow up in a poorly run school, you know, you end up, you know, not reaching your potential, and then you know you continue the cycle, right? Mm -hmm. And you have kids in that area, and then so on and so forth, right? Yeah, and I mean, even your parents, you look at, like, maybe someone in a more privileged school, parents are all over their kids to succeed, to do well, to give them the resources to do well. right. Whereas in a poor school, chances are your parents are working, you know, every single minute they possibly can in order to earn money, to put food on the table. And so uh, you're uh, ignored yeah. in that sense. And you're, you're ignored, and uh, sometimes parents um, may lack the time, or even, you know, because they didn't see any different growing up themselves, they might not push their children in the same way that parents in other communities might, which of of course doesn't help, right? But what the point I was trying to make is that, uh, have you heard of the policy, something called no child left behind? Yeah, for sure. And uh, it sounds great, no child left behind. We want everyone to do well, we need everyone to just keep moving forward. One of the problems with this was that the amount of funding a school got depended on its performance. Right. So this was... Test results. Test results, right? Yeah. But this was a way of making teachers accountable, is what they were trying to get at, right? So, you know, oh, in industry, we reward people by their performance. Why don't we do the same thing with teachers? Well, of course, you know, even if you're a great teacher, if you are teaching in a rough community, you're not going to have the same result as you could if you were teaching in a different place, mm-hmm. right? And what happens, despite the teacher's best efforts, these schools underperform. And what happens? They get fewer resources. Not more, not equal. They actually get fewer resources. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So, you know, this whole no child left behind is really, it's doing the opposite of what it was suggesting it was doing. Right, okay. 
I think it's leading to more children being left behind. This is, of course, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard of uh, similar similar laws that were passed in Canada, but uh, this is especially a problem for the U.S., I think. And, you know, yeah. what happens is, you know, you have enough of a rich-poor divide, then, you know, you have um, different people self-segregate themselves, and then you end up having good schools, bad schools, and then, you know, private schools, and you just even more segregation. So... It becomes a cycle, really. If I was in the States and if I had the money, I might send my own kids to private schools too. Right. right? Whereas I don't feel I would have that need here in Canada, right? I sort of wonder how I would have reacted to this as a kid. Mm. Because in the community in which I grew up, there was no divide of of color. Mm -hmm. The school that I went to, there was no divide of color. Right. Everyone was everyone's friend. At least that's what I remember. Right. Uh, You know... Sometimes I feel like, you know, not bringing up the topic of race is maybe useful, right? Because mm-hmm. why do we need to even talk about race, you know? I mean, we, I guess we need to talk about race now because, you know, it's still a problem, right? Uh, because, you know, we have a divide in between the races and there's inequality and there's discrimination and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. But when kids are growing up, you know, just don't bring up the race. Yeah, I think it's Morgan Freeman who famously said that you know, race won't be a problem when we just stop talking about it. Yeah. We don't need a Black History Month. We just need history. Yes. You know? A Black History is American history. Exactly. <laughs> I actually very much concur with uh, Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, let's talk about people. Why do we need to talk about black people? You know, why don't we just say they're just people? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think for kids growing up, I think it's it's helpful if, if they're blind to the whole idea of race. And I think, of course, at some point, you, you know, you need to acknowledge and face the inequalities in our society. But that doesn't have to happen until, you know, as late as possible, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I feel like a race has sort of had its time. There's obviously areas to improve, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think that will improve over time. But I think we're, we're at this point now where you know, sex and gender and um, orientation, sexual orientation, mm-hmm. it, it is, is sort of the, you know, the next frontier in the battle for equality. Right, and you feel uh, we might re- achieve more or less equality in these regards, in terms of gender and uh, sexual orientation, before we achieve equality of the races. I think looking at our societies, mm-hmm. there's a lot less of an economic divide in this battleground compared to the race battleground. Right. In, in a lot of ways, the black com- mm-hmm. sort of community, the black people mm-hmm. in North America mm-hmm. tend to be poorer than the white people right. in America. Right. You don't have that divide when it comes to, uh, to gender or sexual orientation. So, I guess my takeaway from the Human Eye Project was that I never really consider my skin color at all. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't think about, oh, I'm black, or oh, I'm white, or oh, I'm neither black nor white. You know? <laughs> I'm not a Michael Jackson song. <laughs> it inspired me. I took a photo similar to the, the photos that she was taking, uh, and I used that as my profile picture because I hadn't updated it in a while, and I thought, this was a, this is a good inspiration for me right. to try something different and to be a little mm-hmm. creative. 
I did find a tone mm-hmm. that is mine mm-hmm. uh, and changed the background. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to look at because when I saw that tone, I looked at it and I thought, this isn't really the color that I think I am. <laughs> I was thinking of myself as, as a brown yeah. color, right? Right. But the color that came out was a lot more warm, like it's a very warm color. Mm. Like a much more orange, almost. Right, right. You know? Right. Uh, interesting. Do you mind bringing that up? I, will, I know I saw it, and My I photo? gave you a little uh, heart on uh, Facebook, but I would like to see it again. There you go. Wow, that really is very orange. Like, if I just saw that color as an isolated color, yeah. and someone said, who would you expect to have that skin tone? You to me, would. it looks like a white person's skin tone. <laughs> It does. It does. You know? Mm-hmm. But then you look at the Human Eye Project, mm-hmm. and you look at, some, like, a white person's, quote-unquote, skin tone. Yeah. There's a huge variety in what white is. Oh, yes. You know? Yeah. Like, it, you have everything from pinks to topes, and then you have some people who are considered Asians, mm-hmm. who might have the same skin tones as someone in the darker white skin tones, right. who might have the same skin tone as, like, a First Nations person. Right. So there's a lot of overlap in the colors, and that's sort of what she was trying to get at, is that, you know, we're all very much more the same than we tend to think of as in, in a society. Right. But it is interesting, and you are very much orange, and now I understand <laughs> your love and affection for orange. I'm just a warm person, what can I say? <laughs> um, I would like to introduce a new segment to this here podcast, and I'm going to give it a name right now. It's called Taste This. So taste this, we will, maybe not every episode, but every now and then, we will find something new and delicious that neither of us have tried before, and give her a go. And we have to describe, using words, in English, (laughs) what it tastes like. Sure. In this inaugural segment, I have a bottle of kombucha. What is kombucha? Kombucha. Let me just read you the label here. It says, packed with enzymes and lightly fermented... Tonica is brewed and bottled in Toronto, Canada. True to centuries-old tradition of making kombucha in Asia and Eastern Europe, we handcraft our organic brew in the small batch method. Kombucha is like a fermented tea beverage. Contains all kinds of cultures and bacteria and... Fermenting bacteria are good for you. So yeah, we had a little little spill accident here. A little kombucha everywhere. I saved half of it. You you did. Good job. So let's, let's give this a try. Cheers. Cheers. It's pretty good. You like it? I do. I do. Uh, it I find it sweet. Sweet and yeasty. And a little bit carbonated. Yeah. Naturally carbonated. Oh. With all the bacteria, you know. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. It contains kombucha, yeast and bacteria cultures, organic cane juice, so there's your sweet, fermented orange, black, and green tea. Tea is good for you. Some bacteria are good for you. Mm-hmm. Fermenting bacteria are good for you. Some sugar is... It's good for the soul. Good for the soul. (laughs) Good for the taste buds. Yeah. Fascinating. I've never had kombucha before. That's good. So, uh, would you buy it again? I would buy it again to sip in these little uh, shot glass size drinks. (laughs) I don't know if I'd buy a bottle and bring it with me to work. But it's it's definitely... um, I'm glad I tried it. Yeah. It's interesting. There you go. If you enjoy kombucha, let us know. Do you have a, uh, a joke to tell us? Oh boy. One thing about the joke I want to let the listeners know about. 
How many jokes do you think I uh, told you today before we settled on one? At least 20. We went through at least 20 jokes. <laughs> and they are all terrible. <laughs> they were not all terrible, but Ben was just not in a laughy mood today. But this one did the trick. This one did the trick. This was a good joke. Alright, so let's see if I can uh, say it properly. So a man, a businessman, has gone to a different city for you know, a conference. And after a long day of meetings, he decides to wind down at the beach. There, he finds a young boy, 9 or 10, who is crying. He goes up to the boy and goes, Boy, why are you crying? And the little kid goes, Well, my mom is sick. We can't afford the treatment. I haven't eaten properly in a few days. Everything seems to be just going wrong in my life. I don't know what to do. And the businessman figures, you know, it, it will mean a lot to him if he can make a change in this boy's life. But he doesn't believe in handouts. Of course not. He's a self-made businessman. He's a self-made, quote-unquote, businessman. Mm-hmm. And he tells the boy, see that ship way over there? He points far away in the, into the water. There's a ship idled there. And the boy nods in the agreement. Businessman goes, well, if you can swim to that, then I'll give you a million dollars. Really? Yes, really. The boy's all excited. He just jumps into the water and swims maybe a hundred meters and then swims right back. What happened? Asks the businessman. Well, I went too fast and I was a little hungry. Didn't help, you know. I knew I couldn't make it, so I came back. The businessman goes, well, tomorrow we'll try it again. Same place, same time. The next day, boy's already there with his clothes off, ready to go. Jumps into the water. This time, he makes it a little bit farther into the water. He comes back. What happened? Asks the businessman. Well, you know, I was hungry and I tried to pace myself, but I just couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't make it to the ship, so I had to come back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the businessman says, you know what? As much as I want to help you, you have to earn it. Same place, same time, tomorrow again. Let's go for another, another try. But I have to tell you, I'm leaving the town, and if you can't do it tomorrow, then I don't know what I can do for you. Here's 20 bucks. Get yourself something good to eat. Next day, they meet again, and the boy is even more energetic. He's all fired up, ready to go. Jumps into the water. This time he goes slowly, he paces himself. He's not too tired. And, you know, after a few minutes of strenuous swimming... He makes it to the ship. He climbs up the ship, and then he climbs up the mast. He waves at the businessman, and the businessman has tears of joy. He just made some kid's life, right? Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the boy slips and falls onto the ship's deck. Ooh. But, you know what? The boy was okay. Do you know why? I, I don't know why. Because he was used to hardships. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those really long build-up mm -hmm. for mediocre punchline. <laughs> I thought it was a good punchline. I thought it was pretty good. But there are a set of jokes that are intentionally long mm -hmm. just for an underwhelming punchline, mm -hmm. which makes a joke, essentially. You think this is one of them? I think so. I think if the joke had been just 30 seconds long, because, you know, he didn't have to make three trips... For the pun, he didn't have to make three trips to the ship, hmm. right? No. Would you like to hear some words of wisdom? So, here's a nice little uh, nugget that I came across a little while ago. Nobody ever won a horse race by yelling, whoa. Whoa being what we say to the horse to stop, I yes. imagine. Whoa, you know? Right, right, right. You're going too fast. Slow down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. What do you think it means? Let's say I were running a business, mm -hmm. right? 
and you know things are going well and then i had the opportunity to kick it up a notch right mm-hmm. i shouldn't hesitate you know i i shouldn't slow things down when i have the momentum when the opportune time has presented itself mm-hmm. if you're preparing for a race mm-hmm. and you run you know 40 kilometers in a week right you shouldn't run 5 kilometers the next week you should continue to push yourself you know, this is going to inspire me to run more than 500 meters tomorrow. I hope you make it to 750. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. To Cheers. That. Have some kombucha. <laughs> so do you think that should wrap things up for today? That's, that's good. Next time on We Are Two Peas. Would you rather... Dun, da, da, dun. Would you rather never speak or always have to speak what's on your mind? So the rest of your life in silence... Or the rest of your life babbling and blithering every stray thought that comes across your head? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. So I think we'll bring that one up on our next episode. I think I've made up my mind regarding uh, what I would want to do. Well, let's see if, if we have the same thought or if we differ entirely. So until then, if you have any thoughts, you can let us know. Visit our website, weare2peas.ca. You can find the podcast there, all the links to our social channels. If you uh, subscribe to our podcast, you can do it through iTunes. We're available through Overcast. We're on Stitcher. And we should be on the Google Play Music Store. Google Music Play Store? Google Music Store? I don't even know what it's called. The Google thing. We are everywhere. Everywhere. I think it's called Google Play Music. Google Play Music. I mean, no one says the Google part anymore. So just Play Play Music? music. Yeah. All right. We are on the Play Music Store. So you can subscribe to us. Share with your friends. Give us a like on Facebook. Facebook.com slash are 2 That's the numeral 2. Peas. We're also on weare2peas.ca. So come join us. Let us know what you would do if you'd rather not speak or always speak your mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, check out the Human Eye Project. I'm sure I'll post my profile picture as well so you can get a true sense of my skin tone. And maybe you can like it too. Give it a few hearts. I like hearts. Who doesn't? Grumpy old men. Well, sometimes grumpy old men need hearts. <laughs> like the physical heart. Oh. Yes. Like they need a whole transplant. Yes, that's what I meant. I, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> so until until next time, folks. So until next time. Arrivederci, paisanos. <laughs> <laughs> Which means goodbye, friends, in Italian. But how do you say it in Nepali? Oh. Even the Nepali doesn't even know. <laughs> All right, enjoy your kombucha and see you next time. I can talk, you can talk. I can talk, you can talk. I can talk on our little boat. Little boat.